0: Runa Das is an energy and sustainability expert, associate professor at Royal Roads University in Victoria. Thank you for joining us. Good evening.
1: Good evening. Thanks for having me on. What is
0: energy poverty?
1: Well, energy poverty um, is this experience of not being able to have um, adequate energy services. Um, So things um, that help People um, heat and and cool their homes uh, energy services are needed for cooking and and even using the internet.
0: I look at I, I look at where we are now, and some of the data suggests that this is one in ten of Canadians, but I wonder if it's even more that sometimes we're under reporting this given. Given the reality of climate change, given the challenges that we have, like you say, connectivity, et cetera, one in 10 might be understating this.
1: Yeah, there's a good possibility of that. There is um, good potential that there are folks that aren't um, spending or using the energy that they need um, because they're trying to budget. And so those folks don't really show up um in in the data that we're looking at unfortunately so, so so it's hidden almost it it's hard it's hard to get at that but uh yeah you're you're onto something and 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 uh there there is good potential for that it's alarming
0: you know i look at um and we rely and and canada mortgage and housing does a, a lot of good things as far as data is concerned and i really like to Drive decisions based on knowledge, and I'm sure you do as well. Um, but sometimes uh, people, politicians, policymakers will 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 twist policies based on what they they pull out of the material. But I wonder, um, and I know CMHC considers housing to be affordable when it costs less than one third of a household before tax income. But is that the right assessment on this? Because I, I think that there are so many costs given high inflation, given the challenges that we have in a COVID environment and an environment that is changing. And when we look at this country, aging infrastructure in so many ways that um, we've got so many buildings that are not insulated properly. We've got so many buildings that are just not um built the right way to reflect what we're what we're going through right now and, and I guess that's a long-winded way of of asking you what's right and what's wrong
1: well I'm not uh necessarily an, an expert in 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 that area in terms of figuring out exactly you know what what is the indicator what's that number or figure mm. uh and what what should it be um but yes, there there are lots of costs, and these costs are going up. Um, and uh, as you've mentioned, there's you know infrastructure that's old, and so there's things that are going to increase uh, costs. For example, you know if you're living in in an energy inefficient home, for example, and and that could be due to age of of the of the of the home. Um, well, then it's going to cost more, right? And so um, these are some of the things that I hope can get figured into this idea of what's uh, affordable and what's not affordable. Um, there are folks out there and organizations that have talked about um, considering expenditures on bills and utilities to be part of, you know the discussion when it comes to affordability.
0: You ask some very basic questions like, why do we use energy the way we do? Help us understand your research and how how this all applies, because I'm fascinated by this.
1: Well, <laughs> uh, I wasn't expecting this kind of question.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm being a little a... bit more philosoph- philosophical <laughs> this Tuesday evening.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, well, I have a I have a background in psychology, and so I I approach uh, my research using that lens. Um, and so I think uh, some of the behaviors uh, that you know, and, and we can we can think of energy use as a behavior. Um, some of the things that predict that can be you know based on how we think about using energy. Uh, it can be based on you know values or attitudes, um, you know with respect to energy, but with with respect to even things that are going on in the world that are relevant, for example, climate change, right so all those kinds of things can impact our uh, the way we consume energy right now I'm very interested in in figuring out, well, are we using enough energy? Um, and I think that's an important question, um, especially when you know things are changing, um, like the climate, and we're seeing um, people really struggling, uh, people dying because of the heat, and so we're going to need to increase our energy use. Um, and so this is kind of different from um, from maybe some of the discourse before, where you know we're we're we've heard people needing to you know curtail or kind of watch what they're what they're using. But in some situations, um, you know, I think you need to use what you need to use. And so this is something that I'm really interested in right now.
0: Well, yeah, and, and, and that goes to our, our behavior and what motivates our behavior on this. And it does come back to energy poverty because, you know, what drives us to make these decisions? And I know, um, you know, it, it's about being able to afford it, being able to, to prioritize, you know, in life what what you spend your money on, what you can spend your money on. But I'm fascinated by this, you know, this this use of energy because yeah, as we start to and you know, we're going through this heat wave. A lot of us have been focusing in on the UK today. Um, certainly, I've learned over the last few years what you know, f- folks in British Columbia have gone through here in Manitoba, where I'm broadcasting from we go from drought to uh, to now, you know, monsoon-like rains, uh, and and that seems to be the consistency now. It's so inconsistent. So I think about the energy that we have to use to compensate for that, and I'm just wondering. You know, on the one hand, we are so driven by this need to survive and to hopefully thrive, versus what's going on here worldwide. And I think we all struggle with this. But at the end of the day, you have to pay your bill. You have to. Maybe drive your car, drive a whole lot less, um, start to plan your day a whole lot more. And, and you know, your background suggests, you know, what motivates people to do this? And I would suggest sometimes it's just trying to get through the day.
1: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
0: So where does this go? Where does this all go as we start to ask those very basic questions about climate change and the need for energy and, and those issues around um, around this, what are you studying and, and what are the questions that we have to continue to ask?
1: I think um, one of the most important things that we need to be thinking about as we go forward is, well, how can we ensure that people do get to uh, use the energy when they need it? You know, when they're so that they're not restricted in, let's say, a life or death situation. And so I think uh, we need to be thinking about things like consumer protection, um, things like um, not having disconnections uh, all year round and having that enforced. Um, we see that with um, in the winter. But I think we need to be thinking now that this could be something um, that happens more and more in the in the summer, um, and so uh, thinking about doing that similarly in 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 different seasons um, with the changing climate.
0: I'll use an example out of Winnipeg here, and that's been in the news here locally. Um, this is a a Winnipeg-based advocate by the name of Cell Burrows. And he calls himself fortunate to run air conditioning during this midsummer heat. It has a page and a half on maintaining heating in the winter and zero on maintaining cool in the summer. That's the city of Winnipeg's livability bylaw. So it's all about heat, not cutting the heat off, but mm-hmm. it's not talking about helping uh, cool when it's hot, hot, hot. And those are mm-hmm. the types of policies I think you're talking about here
1: yeah absolutely and um I think it's yeah we're we're i think it's time it's i think it's definitely time uh to start thinking about putting those kinds of policies in place.
0: Are there any areas in this country where those policies are in place?
1: I do not know of a of a protection for cooling um, hmm. but I do know of there there are several jurisdictions that uh don't allow disconnections um in the winter and and several were extended even during the the pandemic um so so they exist so now it's time to you know shift how we think about that and uh i think it's it's very very possible
0: is there fair and equal access to energy in society one of the questions our guest is asking we'll continue the conversation with Runa Das she is a, an energy and sustainability expert and associate professor at Royal Roads University in Victoria i'm Richard in for Ben. please stay with us richard kluche infraben almost one in today ten, 10 canadian households spend more than 10% of their income to heat and cool their homes just to keep the lights on or to store or cook food. Energy poverty. Runa Das is with us, an energy and sustainability expert, associate professor at Royal Roads University in Victoria. And professor, I wonder if this is a condition that's easily recognizable, that uh, we talk about caring for our neighbors, and I'm wondering if this is something that stands out if something that can be recognized? um, Because I do think it's underreported.
1: That's a great question. Um, I think it is becoming more and more recognized, especially as we are having more conversations uh, about this. Um, But definitely it is something... Um, that, you know, can be hard to see. We don't necessarily know what's going on in the lives, you know, in, in people's lives. Um, and, and using energy is not something that's necessarily very visible. Um, so, so yeah, it can be, um, hard to, hard to notice, hard to, uh, hard to see.
0: And, and I wonder though, like so many other areas if we do have the data in place there's some research that suggests that it's as high as 16% of a household budget wow that's a lot of money to be spent on energy and that gets back to your point about sustainability but also the way you know we design our homes the way we have to update our our homes even our computers the whole idea of the energy that we are are using the the hydro grid, you know, everything involved in this.
1: Mm-hmm. That that number for figure for me was um, it's pretty high. Um, if you're spending sixteen percent of your budget, and for those folks um, that are are using sixteen percent of their budget, um, they're the folks that don't have much of a you know their budget is smaller to begin with. Um, compared to those that are not in energy poverty, um, so relatively speaking, it's it's a big difference, um, and and it's quite possible that there's trade offs. It's possible that you know if they're not spending on the energy that they need to use, um, it's because they need to be spending that somewhere else.
0: I know there's a national housing strategy in place. It's what seventy billion dollars to reduce homelessness to remove families from housing need and to invest in new housing construction, that is so sorely needed in a lot of parts of this country, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think that's something we're all talking about now, housing and affordability and and the need for for more housing.
0: The UK has a different approach to this, do they not?
1: To housing or... They do to uh, when it comes to energy poverty. They're one of the first countries that defined energy poverty and uh, and and came up with a a strategy um, to try and address it. Uh, and I think that's you know very helpful um, in terms of you know going forward. Um, first, you have to recognize it, and then. From there, you can move forward. And that's something that uh, I definitely think Canada needs to do.
0: Yeah, and this is, I think, an education because we mentioned the term energy poverty. And I think as people listen to this, they say, well, that might be me. And start to examine what they're using and what they're paying. Um, I know, uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll relate my experience that in the winter, we spend a lot of money on energy to heat. And then in the summer, yeah, there's the culture of air conditioning, but sometimes not using air conditioning because we're trying to level things out. But Manitoba Hydro allows you to equalize your bill so that it's not a feast or or famine. There are programs in place, but I would suggest we need more of these types of programs and in some cases, the subsidies to help those who are in energy poverty.
1: Right, I I agree. I think we need those kinds of programs across the board, across jurisdictions. They're not in place everywhere, but they are in some places. Um, yeah.
0: What's next for you, for research-wise? What are the burning questions that you're
1: asking? Well, we're going to keep um, going with with our energy poverty research, um, hoping next to um, talk more to people who are experiencing uh, energy poverty and really get at uh, what a lived experience is like. Um, I think that'll be very helpful to illuminate um, the actual experience um, and and bring forward this this issue even more
0: yeah when I look at the number of people in BC that that passed away where the temperatures reached 40 plus what was it you know well over 600 people died and I'm sure that that's still underreported and many of them indoors and many of them lacked adequate cooling systems if that didn't drive the message home I'm not sure what would yeah
1: that's that's another thing we need to be thinking about with um, this changing climate: is the infrastructure that's in place. A lot of uh, folks out here, and out, by out here I mean in BC, where I where I am right now, um, because the climate didn't really require it before. Um, you know, there's not a lot of folks who necessarily have AC.
0: Professor Dask, great to talk to you. Thank you so very much for joining us and um, continue to spread the word about this because I think it's an area where a lot of us have a lot more learning to do and and recognizing this. Appreciate you joining us.
1: Thanks uh, so much for having
0: me on, Richard.